I hope all of you have your books and that you're following with us because it's helpful not just to be listening to these words but also to be kind of drinking them in visually ourselves so that vibration enters in through all our senses touching the book feeling the book moving every page taking notes taking notes it's an entire experience to be had we're on chapter 14 experience in cosmic consciousness what has brought us to this point is our young guru mukunda returning to his guru's ashram after that little <laughs> little rebellion of flying trying to go to the himalayas and having returned during one of his very restless meditations being summoned by his guru and then being tapped on the chest by the guru to have that cosmic experience and we all followed it last time we all went with it visualizing somewhat superimposing our own environment onto the explanations and experiences that yogananda was going through but as i said that was a very it was a limited experience um, during our meditations when we get to that experience ourselves there will be two aspects to it as yogananda called them one was sabhikalpa samadhi one is nirvikalpa samadhi and sabhikalpa samadhi is a conditional samadhi as in when you are in that state you can experience that oneness but the moment you exit that state when the meditation is over then that experience also ends you return back to your own egoic self and then when you string several savikalpa samadhis together you get to that state of nirvikalpa samadhi where it's an unbroken state of being whether you're meditating whether you're cooking whether you're walking whether you're talking to somebody whether you're sleeping it's all just that united blissful state of being another fun thing to contemplate for all of us is the timing of when yogananda receives this experience as we said was during one of his very restless uh, meditations he says uh, you know his thoughts were scattered like birds before a hunter and uh, that's helpful to for us in terms of the encouragement that it gives us that it's not about every meditation being perfect in fact sometimes your deepest meditations may not even take you and a very restless meditation may be that moment that suddenly shifts into the immediate depth and that's not because of the individual meditations it's because of the power of the consistency of the meditations that uh, yogananda had been putting in for all these years and that's important for us to realize we hope and think that it's just this this one meditation ek one time i'll give it my all and then okay let's you know that's too much now whenever next i feel like it you have to build this experience up every day daily and not judge a meditation for what it is but kind of see it as um, as a wave that's gaining momentum until finally it crashes on the shores of bliss and so here we are the experience ended the other very important aspect of that experience was that the moment it ended shri yukteswar ji hands yogananda a broom and says okay don't get drunk with ecstasy there's much work yet to be done each of us have a lot of work yet to be done not just outwardly in the in our purpose in life but there's a lot of work yet to be done on ourselves before this experience can become permanent don't let a tiny experience make you feel that oh wow i'm almost there know that there's still work to be done until god tells you you're there till that time we have to keep working both outwardly and inwardly and to kind of ground our consciousness in the experience of this particular life in the responsibilities of this life that god has given us and that's where we ended it with shri yukteswar talking about all saints this is an important sentence just to return to our minds saints who realize their divinity even while in the flesh know a similar twofold existence this twofold existence of complete unity with uh, the infinite spirit yet manifesting and bringing that spirit and expressing that spirit in every thought in every action in every word 
and in every atom of their being. And so that's what we want to do. We need to approach God from this twofold experience. We were talking about it even on Thursday in the Gita. Krishna was talking about, I am this also and I am that also. I am the infinite and yet I am in the tiniest of things. I am in the gunas, I am beyond the gunas. And that's the experience the saints live through. So they have a very human, personal, you know, quirky, karmic, even egoic to a very, very, very refined level expression of themselves. So they're so unique, yet they're completely united. And let's see what that unity feels like now as we ourselves move to experience the Nirvikalpa Samadhi. Yogananda continues, The cosmic vision left many permanent lessons. By daily stilling my thoughts, I could win release from the delusive conviction that my body was a mass of flesh and bones, traversing the hard soil of matter. The breath and the restless mind I saw were like storms which lashed the ocean of light into waves of material forms, earth, sky, human beings, animals, birds, trees. No perception of the infinite as one light could be had except by calming those storms. As often as I silenced the two natural tumults, I beheld the multitudinous waves of creation melt into one lucent sea, even as the waves of the ocean, their tempests subsiding, serenely dissolve into unity. Often this image is used of the waves in the ocean. It's, it's perfect because of the vastness of the ocean and the multitudinous waves. You just, they're all over. Some are big, some are small, some Storms. last long. Some get really worked up and agitated when the storm of Maya, you know, gets a little agitated in our lives, which means that the wave, the further the wave goes away from the bosom of the ocean, the more it separates itself. And we separate ourselves more when we're caught in Maya, both when we go into our, oh, poor me, or, oh, how wonderful me, or how wonderful this experience, I want more of this no matter where you go, which direction you go, up or down, the further we move away from that still ocean, the more Maya has a hold on us. And so Yogananda is talking about the need again and again to still that storm first within ourselves. The storm's not going to stop outside. Maya is not suddenly going to decide and dissolve everything outside of you into light. So we're going to have to work on that inside. And he talks about the two things here, the breath and the restless mind. As he said, as often as I silenced the two natural tumults, the breath is a natural constant flow and the mind is a natural constant flow. Hard to kind of stop both, but also both are linked. As again, we looked in the Gita just last week, both of them are linked. You work on the breath and you work on the mind, as Arjuna said. I consider the controlling of the mind harder even than controlling the wind. And the wind here, of course, is that uh, esoteric version of the breath. But once you do that, Yogananda assures us, is that all forms then begin to dissolve. If we can stop these two storms within us, this restlessness within us, everything else will begin to then merge into one. And that experience will not be held away from us for too long. A master bestows the divine experience of cosmic consciousness when his disciple, by meditation, has strengthened his mind to a degree where the vast vistas would not overwhelm him. Again, a very, very subtle and key aspect here. Because all of us believe ourselves to be ready, all of us kind of think, you know, why hasn't my guru given me this experience already? I've been meditating now for uh, six months <laughs> and some of us, I've been meditating for 10, 15 years. But you have to also calm ourselves in the thought that the guru knows when we will be ready. In the previous 
sections of this chapter, Yogananda describes Samadhi, this experience of cosmic consciousness as the liberating shock of omnipresence, which is too hard for anybody to assimilate. In the Gita, again, when Krishna goes into his Vishwaroop and he expands into the infinite universe, Arjuna cannot cannot contain that experience. It's too much for him. It's overwhelming. In fact, he he's fearful by that experience and then and prays to God to come back to the form that I know you as. And so for all of us, this experience will not come easily, not because we've not done enough, is that we're just not able to contain it in our current situation. There's not enough power flowing through our veins, our nervous system's not strong enough to handle the billions of volts of electric shock that that omnipresent experience translates into. I love the fact that Yogananda created a very um, specific way to expand our mind gradually and to get us ready for that experience. And that's really what the path of Kriya Yoga is all about. He divided it into four steps almost. He started by giving us the Hongso technique so we can become a little bit more comfortable of what it means to enter even briefly in the breathlessness state. That in itself is already an overwhelming experience. I mean, when you find yourself, you know, without breath, you know, and, and, and many people start tapping into that experience, but they are so afraid, their mind cannot really even understand what's happening. So they come back to the body consciousness, to the ego consciousness. Then Yogananda give us the, gives us the energization exercises so we can, you know, our nervous system can be ready to handle such a shot of energy. And then we go into the OM technique where we learn how to listen the sound of the chakras, which is a whole new world that we need to discover. And, and I mean, the, the vastness really of how we have been created is just fascinating even to comprehend in a meditation all that comes to us gradually and we need to get ready then master yogananda says after you have learned how to listen those inner sounds then now let's get ready and energize the spine and he gives us specific techniques that we can prepare ourselves to receive the kriya initiation many people write to us sometimes to shurjo and i I want to get, you know, Kriya initiation over a weekend or how quickly can you give me the technique? And we have seen with our own experience, it takes time to prepare the body, to prepare the mind. So there are not mm, problems in the process. I was thinking for those people who take drugs because in a sense, what drugs provide is a fake experience of samadhi, you know, we just, we just start experiencing how we expand ourselves, how we love everybody, how blissful we feel, how all our worries go away. We, we enter into this kind of fake world, which is pretty much what samadhi uh, gives us but the problem is if drugs can also damage our nervous system our brain um, it can really mess our life if we don't really if, if we take that risk so what I'm trying to say here is like it's very serious the path of Kriya Yoga and there is a reason why we need to take it consciously, gradually, organically, and each technique. If we learn how to perfect Hongso, 
it's taking us already closer to that experience. If we learn how to perfect energization exercises, we are already getting closer to that experience, the same with the OM technique and so on. So it's up to us how ready we want to get to receive this experience. And each technique provides that closeness to that consciousness. The experience can never be given through one's mere intellectual willingness or open-mindedness. And that's where the majority of us are. You know, there's an intellectual willingness. I want this experience. There's also an open-mindedness to saying, I think I'm ready for this experience. But again, if we are, know that it will immediately come. There is nothing stopping this experience but our unreadiness. It's like the experience like right here. And the moment anything opens up to allow it, it's just gonna flood in. So it, it ought to bring us a deep state of acceptance and relaxation with a deeper desire to want to you know as Narayani said use each of these techniques to bring out that maximum benefit that that technique is there to give us then just know it's going to just come it's going to be an it's going to be the natural next step for us only adequate enlargement by yoga practice and devotional bhakti can prepare the mind to absorb the liberating shock of omnipresence. There it is. Only adequate enlargement. What are we enlarging in through yoga? We've talked about it. We're enlarging our nervous system on a physical level. That's very important to allow that much energy to flow through us. We really, the channel needs to be big. You know, you can't get it. You can't pass too much electricity through a very thin wire. Similarly, we just can't do that to our nerves as well. We can try and we'll either nothing will happen or we end up, as Narayani said, in certain cases, perhaps even harming ourselves. That's the reason why we don't um, recommend certain techniques that push the Kundalini into awakening. And when you start pushing the Kundalini and you force it into a space that it's not meant to squeeze into, well, that power is going to have to manifest somehow. And often it manifests in a negative way, including where it affects our very mental states. And of course, we're enlarging the mind. And the enlarging of the mind is every time we go into that stillness, where for a moment we separate ourselves from the limited self, and that after the technique, when we begin to try and expand into whatever experience that moment is giving us, that enlarging needs to happen again and again. Every time we go into our meditation, we should leave it feeling that my body is now here. Now my body is here. Now my body encompasses my entire building. Now my body, body being my sense of self, of course, encompasses my neighborhood. Every time we need to feel that enlargement until even just on an kind of visual level we are feeling oh, I'm, I'm as large as the solar system I'm as large as this galaxy and work with that sense of enlargement and of course through devotional bhakti which is the enlargening of the heart to again receive God's presence and the enlargening in the sense because there are two things our hearts full right it's full of desires it's full of attachments it's full of wants it's full of likes and dislikes I mean that's how we express ourselves daily moment by moment everything we do is primarily dictated by one of these likes dislikes attachments and desires that's just how we're kind of how we've built ourselves so there are two ways one you can kind of empty all those desires and throw them all out one by one which is uh, which is going to happen anyway through the yogic practice the other is to enlarge in the heart and that's what bhakti does is to create more space so that those desires which were otherwise taking up the entirety of our heart now are taking up some space of our heart and then the other space begins to get kind of filled up with God's presence so you can go both ways with it empty it out which we do but also at the same time stretch it out open so that what's inside is no longer the bulk 
of uh, the energy that the heart carries. It comes with a natural inevitability to the sincere devotee. This is, and again, this is what we are stressing, a natural inevitability. It's just going to happen. And you have to just get on with that program. It's going to happen to the sincere devotee. And that's a definition we have to create for ourselves. How sincere a devotee are we? And what does it mean? In every path, a sincere devotee has a certain, you know, its own rules and regulations, so to speak. If you're on the path of Kriya Yoga, there are very clear indications of what a sincere devotee is. And it's helpful to every now and then ponder <laughs> how sincere a devotee we are. <laughs> his intense cravings begins to his intense craving begins to pull at God with an irresistible force. The Lord, as the cosmic vision, is drawn to the seeker's magnetic ardor into his range of consciousness. And that's the experience. This experience is one that we draw by the magnetic power of both our craving, which is important, and at the same time, our ability to receive, which is the enlargement that Yogananda is talking about. You can have a lot of craving, you can have a lot of longing, a lot of yearning, but if that's kind of, if you're still in a very tight, limited, blocked self, then it just can't come. Um, the way Yogananda would describe it very beautifully, he says, Sometimes, you know, you're, you're so thirsty and you say, oh, I'm just so thirsty, I could drink, you know, I could drink an entire lake. And then when you put somebody before a thirsty man, before a lake, all he can really do is drink a few handful and he's already full. So the lake of cosmic consciousness is there for us and we say we're thirsty enough for the entire lake. And in this particular case, an infinite ocean. But then when we finally get to it, what we're able to take is just a handful of gulps. And then we're full, we can't take anymore. And so we have to become thirstier, but also we have to enlarge in our you know, spiritual stomach to be able to, in fact, receive the entirety of the ocean. I like this paragraph because all of us are sincere in our own way. We all want to grow, we all want to become better versions of ourselves, we all are sincerely interested on the path and want to learn more. So every single aspirant yogi is very sincere and I think each one of us easily can fall into that category. But what really is important here is that intense craving and I want to keep reminding myself that my craving really is not for the experience mm. it's about how can I love God more deeply and make of that love my greatest magnet um, and I think that's where we really melt God's heart, where he can really see that even God's experiences are not as powerful as his love. And if we learn to magnetize that experience of Samadhi by the intensity of our love for God, um, I think that experience can come to us more easily and, and where we will be able to digest and to understand it intuitively better. Because if we focus only on attracting the experience that yet is also good in its own way, eventually mm, we need to reach that point that it wasn't really about that experience but what really mattered is how we could really draw God's presence by the magnitude by the deepest desire in our heart of loving him and wanting him 
above anything else. So I think when, when we sit in our meditation, uh, the power of attracting that experience ultimately will be our love for God. There is a song no, that Yogananda created, the devotee song, I can give you my salvation. Yeah, Divine Mother is talking to the devotee. Could you share like, that? I think it's a good oh, one. Oh, devotee, I can give you salvation, but not my love and devotion. Yep. For when I give those away, I give myself away. Ask of me salvation, but not my love and devotion. So this is Divine Mother really just saying, salvation's easy. Yeah. <laughs> this I can give you easily. Any, yeah. But it's my love and my devotion. And there's this last, because for when I give those away, I give myself away. And then she says in another repetition, when I give that away, I become poor. Because that's my real riches. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want you to be asking for. And that's what I'm hoping to eventually give. So even salvation from that perspective is um, a stepping stone mm -hmm. to that love. <clears throat> and now we come to this where Master says, I wrote in my later years the following poem, Samadhi, endeavoring to convey the glory of its cosmic state. This is that nirvikalpa state that we were talking about. An interesting side note about this poem is that uh, Yogananda, this was written years later while he was in the US. He said he wrote it on a New York subway, on the metro train there. And he said he just sat there and, and he says, nobody asked for my ticket because nobody could see me. And so he was just sitting there, but invisible to everybody else in that cosmic state. And he said, I just rode, you know, from one end to the other the entire day. And I just, in that experience, I, I penned down this poem of Samadhi. And he told, especially to his disciples, he says, uh, as a technique, really, he said, memorize my poem Samadhi and repeat it daily. So that could be another I mean, that could, I guess, become the practice, mm -hmm. definitely, for this week. So let's... Okay, let's, <laughs> let's see. Let's dive the into poem. the poem. So now, yes. it's, of course, poetic. Um, the way Yogananda uses words that you know, just tend to go over our intellectual mind. But again, we need to tune into this just vibrationally. Um, I don't want us to be stopping often and kind of... Yeah parsing apart as if somehow if the mind can understand it the experience will be ours no we might come back to certain sections and see what that what what you know take a deeper look at it but i'd like for us to just try our best to see behind these words behind whatever our mind can grasp what experience awaits each of us so let's close our eyes and let's straighten the spine and let's set our gaze at the transcendental star at the center of our foreheads and let's journey into Yogananda's sharing of this state which really cannot be described but this is as close to it as we will come through the mind vanished the veils of light and shade Lifted every vapor of sorrow. Sailed away all dawns of fleeting joy. Gone the dim sensory mirage. Love, hate, health, disease, life, death. Perished these false shadows on the screen of duality. Waves of laughter, sillas of sarcasm, melancholic whirlpools melting into the vast sea of bliss. The storm of Maya stilled by magic wand of intuition deep. The universe, forgotten dream, subconsciously lurks, ready to invade my newly wakened memory divine. I live without the cosmic shadow, 
but it is not bereft of me. As the sea exists without the waves, but they breathe not without the sea. Dreams, wakings, states of deep Thuria sleep, present, past, future, no more for me, but ever-present, all-flowing I, I everywhere. Planets, stars, stardust, earth, volcanic blasts, bursts of doomsday cataclysm, creation's molding furnace, glaciers of silent x-rays, burning electron floods, thoughts of all men, past, present, to come, every blade of grass, myself, mankind, every particle of universal dust, anger, greed, good, bad, salvation, lust. I swallowed, transmuted all into a vast ocean of blood of my own one being. Smoldering joy, oft puffed by meditation, blinding my tearful eyes burst into immortal flames of bliss, consumed my tears, my frame, my all. Thou art I, I am thou, knowing, knower, known as one, tranquilled, unbroken thrill, eternally living, ever new peace enjoyable beyond imagination of expectancy, samadhi bliss. Not an unconscious state or mental chloroform without willful return, samadhi but extends my conscious realm beyond the limits of the mortal frame to farthest boundary of eternity, where I, the cosmic sea, Watch the little ego floating in me. The sparrow, each grain of sand, fall not without my sight. All space floats like an iceberg in my mental sea. Colossal container I of all things made. By deeper, longer, thirsty, Guru-given meditation comes this celestial samadhi. Mobile murmurs of atoms are heard. The dark earth, mountains, veils, low, molten liquid. Flowing seas change into vapors of nebulae. Om blows upon vapors, opening wondrously their veils. Oceans stand revealed, shining electrons, till at last, sound of the cosmic drum, vanish the grosser lights into eternal rays of all-pervading bliss. From joy I came, for joy I live, in sacred joy I melt. Ocean of mind, I drink all creation's waves. Four veils of solid, liquid, vapor, light, lift aright. Myself in everything enters the great myself. Forever gone, gone forever, fitful, flickering shadows of mortal memory. Spotless is my mental sky below, ahead, and high above. Eternity and I, one united ray. A tiny bubble of laughter, I am become the sea of mirth itself. Just 
stay there. So many words, so many different aspects, both infinite and infinitesimal, galaxies and nebulae, yet also talking about the atoms and the electrons, infinite bliss, but also anger and greed and lust. Life and death, health and sickness, all of it uniting into one experience. Let's end this experience by listening to our Guru's voice, just repeating those last two lines. You are a wave of the sea, you are going to be one with the sea. You are a ray of the cosmic flame. I, a tiny bubble of laughter, have become the sea of math itself. Read that Samadhi poem in whispers again and again, memorize it. I, a tiny bubble of laughter, have become the sea of math itself. Say it again and again in your mind. I, a tiny bubble of laughter, have become the sea of math itself. That is my Christmas present to you. And I bow to you all who is linked in my Father and Christ and the great Babaji Lari Masha, Siv Desha and Guru. Om, Om. Mentally, let's just repeat that last line. I, a tiny bubble of laughter, have become the sea of mirth itself. I, a tiny bubble of laughter, become the sea of mirth itself. I, a tiny bubble of laughter, and become the sea of mirth itself. As we said, of course, as we listen to the specific words of the poem, the mind is, you know, wondering what are these shining electrons and what does Yogananda mean? The dark earth, mountains, whales, low liquid, molten liquid, ohm blows upon vapors, opening wondrously their veils. I mean, these aren't, this isn't written from Master saying, mm, okay, what, how should I describe this? You know, this is him just writing the experience as it's happening. And there's no way for us to just intellectually, that's why he's saying, memorize this poem, repeat it daily until the words become the experience, until the vibration imagine him writing this in that cosmic state and so every word holds that vibration of that state that could be ours and especially during our meditations we don't know what we are trying to expand into we don't even know what samadhi is supposed to be like but as we read this again and again again and again even mentally repeating it at the end of your meditations it'll start to expand your consciousness more and more. Swami Kriyananda says that the poem Samadhi is one of the greatest gifts that Yogananda gave to his disciples. And Swamiji said also that the more we tune into this poem, um, the perfect will be the more perfect will be our attunement with Yogananda especially for some of us who want to deepen in our attunement with our own guru so um, this could be a great opportunity in fact I would say start going through the poem and choose those two or three lines that really call out to you something that perhaps you want to develop in your life a type of consciousness that you want to achieve a reminder 
that you seen would be helpful for the next couple of weeks, for this very year, for the next year. And of course, there are a few lines that for me are always like almost my, the mantra, you know, the, the goal of my life. One of those are um, from joy I came, for joy I live, in sacred joy I melt. I try to repeat those words very often, not just throughout the day, but also at the end of my meditation to keep attuning myself with that consciousness of who I truly am. And, you know, of course, here I a tiny, a tiny bubble of laughter. I am become the sea of mirth itself, as Yogananda himself said, you know, very good sentence to keep you know, playing in your mind again and again. So why don't you go through this poem and just start choosing those words that perhaps Yogananda himself is telling you you should start studying and meditating and, you know, manifesting in your life more often. Another beautiful sentence in here, which is again, for all of us, very important is, by deeper, yep. longer, thirsty, guru-given meditation comes this celestial samadhi. Now, again, imagine, feel. Master was in that experience. So when he's writing this, he's not just writing this like guru-given. He's experiencing his guru-given meditation manifesting samadhi for him. So for all of you who follow any path, who have your own guru, whatever it is, that's the power. The guru given meditation is key here because the guru knows what you need. And that's what we have to go deep in. We get so confused so easily, other techniques, other things, oh, new things that are coming out, you know, and let's check that out as well. Let's check that out. None of them will give it to you unless, of course, they are your guru given meditation. Deeper, longer, thirsty. Those are the other three aspects. How long will you just meditate your standard 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is. Deeper, longer, thirsty. Each time you sit, how thirsty are you for that experience? How deep are you willing to go? And how long are you willing to hold on to that guru-given meditation? That determines whether this celestial samadhi will come to us or not. I love this sentence too. Eternity and I, one united ray. I mean, just pause for a moment and, and visualize yourself united with that eternity the ever present now you know like like united with that ray just beautiful visual images and these are good little short sentences that again we can deepening our understanding vibrationally um, intuitively in our meditations, especially at the end of our meditation, where when our mind is more still and open, more receptive to assimilate these concepts. It'll be nice, perhaps, in our next class before we begin. It'll be uh, it'll be helpful now to end this chapter because there's just one page left. But maybe in our next class we can come again, pick up a few. There are a few still. Yeah. Really key sentences here that would be nice to go deep into, but we don't have the time currently to plumb their depths. So perhaps that's where we will start in our next class. But let's just go mm. through and try to finish this chapter to bring this experience of cosmic consciousness to a certain conclusion and resolution. Sri Yukteswar taught me how to summon the blessed experience at will. Now that's what's happening. It's not just coming by chance. Now it's being summoned at will. And also how to transmit it to others if their intuitive channels were developed. And that's how our Guru is going to translate it and transmit it to us. 
For months I endured the ecstatic union from comprehending why the Upanishads say God is Rasa, the most relishable. One day, however, I took a problem to Master. I want to know, sir, when shall I find God? You have found him. Oh, no, sir, I don't think so. My guru is smiling. I am sure you aren't expecting a venerable personage adorning a throne in some antiseptic corner of the cosmos. <laughs> I see, however, that you are imagining that the possession of miraculous powers is knowledge of God. One might have the whole universe and find the Lord elusive still. Spiritual advancement is not measured by one's outward powers, but only by the depth of his bliss in meditation. Again, a very, very important point to mm -hmm. clarify because we get so easily confused. We assume that somehow I'm supposed to awaken certain... Again, the ego is so tricky. Even the spiritual path, it's, it dangles before us. Not God, but it dangles before us these, you know, side freak shows. <laughs> the circus act of the spiritual path. Which is, ye milega, wo milega, this I'll be able to do. <laughs> you know, will I, I'll be able to heal myself and others. I'll be able to communicate with the angels. You know, it's, of course, eh, the beauty is that happens. But when you start focusing on that and you start equating that mm -hmm. with the realization of God, that's where a whole lot of delusion it finds an opening and it enters in and it delays that mm -hmm. final unity. So be very, very mindful of even holding intellectually those two on equal footing. God and these spiritual siddhis. Ever new joy is God. He is inexhaustible. As you continue your meditations during the years, he will beguile you with an infinite ingenuity. You'll never even get there. The more deep you go, he's just going to keep revealing more and more of himself, such aspects of himself that never before did you experience, even though you thought you had him. Devotees like yourself who have found the way to God Never dream of exchanging him for any other happiness. He is seductive beyond thought of competition. I just so beautifully put. Yes. He is seductive beyond thought of... Nothing's going to compete with him. He's so seductive. Just You have no other choice but to go entirely only for him. I mean, these are the words that just make the spiritual journey so thrilling to want to discover and uncover within ourselves what is this seductive power ones that I have that there is nothing else in this world will compete how quickly we weary of earthly pleasures desire for material things is endless man is never satisfied completely and pursues one goal after another that something else he seeks is the Lord, who alone can grant lasting joy. Outward longings drive us from the Eden within. They offer false pleasures which only impersonate soul happiness. The lost paradise is quickly regained through divine meditation. The word is quickly regained. Mm -hmm. As God is unanticipatory ever newness, we never tire of Him. It's important to stop, pause here. God is unanticipatory ever newness. It's like you can't even anticipate the different manifestations and in the ways God's going to bless you. You can't even expect you think you've got it, you're, you're in bliss and this bliss is overwhelming and this love is overwhelming and this experience is overwhelming and, and then it's just more. 
and it's not the same it's not more of the same it's different it's new and it cannot be even anticipated you don't even know what next layer this is a very important point because mm, this is what makes yogananda's teachings yogananda's teachings <laughs> he brought the aspect of ever new something that wasn't easily understood before in the past in terms of a spirituality and and, and what god is all about and, and yogananda brought this very point god is ever new he added those words to the experience of god and for us to understand that as as he so beautifully describes uh, in what god is unanticipatory ever newness exactly so so very very important that ever new uh, aspect of his consciousness which we will never get tired of it and that's why outwardly we're always trying to emulate mm -hmm. that to feel that that's why we need new phones we need new things we need new food holidays. we need new holidays we constantly i mean that's why we go from desire to desire because once a desire is fulfilled it's bland that happiness is is has no dynamic movement to it it's a very steady state and that's why sometimes when people think about you know merging with god they think a little bit of that steady state mm -hmm. of you know i've i've eaten so many grapes that i'm so satisfied with grapes that i can't eat any more grapes that's not how it is you keep eating god and you'll never be satisfied, satisfied. because it'll be ever new and oh oh this particular aspect oh he's sweet he's sour he's tangy he's everything and he's more than that and then yogananda poses this question to us can we be surfeited with bliss delightfully varied throughout eternity delightfully varied throughout eternity could we ever tire of that bliss i understand now sir why saints call the lord unfathomable even those who've merged with him completely christ said in the bible that which my father knows even i know not and not talking about from like oh i'm not yet quite there completely merged in god yet there's just still layers for every saint there's still eternity of ever new experiences waiting for them not one of them has seen the end of that eternity still what my father knows i know not even everlasting life could not suffice to appraise him that is true but this is sri yukteswar that is true but he is also near and dear after the mind has been cleared by kriya yoga of sensory obstacles meditation furnishes a twofold proof of god ever new joy is evidence of his existence convincing to our very atoms also in meditation one finds his instant guidance his adequate response to every difficulty come back to that twofold existence infinite and impersonal yet personal and relevant to every moment so that bliss and that joy is not separate from the fact that it will now allow you to live every moment every decision every action of your life also to the absolute highest and that's where you know most people seek this i want more money and better clarity and more decision making and i want intuition so that i can do xyz with it and they're seeking this when they should be seeking the ever new bliss because from that twofold existence of bliss comes this as well i see guruji you have solved my problem i smiled gratefully i do realize now that i have found god for whenever the joy of meditation 
has returned subconsciously during my active hours, I have been subtly directed to adopt the right course in everything, even details. And this is the crux yeah. of all intuition, which mm -hmm. is it is not asking, it is not perceiving as if some sort of look, what should I do for this? What should I do for that? It's good to develop intuition by the process of asking. So this is it. For whenever the joy of meditation has returned subconsciously during my active hours, I have been subtly directed to adopt the right course in everything. You're not even thinking, you're not even knowing anymore. This is intuition. Anybody who comes and says, this is my intuition, doesn't know what they're talking about because it does not separate as intuition or otherwise. That joy, that's why meditation becomes so important because the joy of our meditation needs to start seeping into it. And every time you become even a little aware of that joy, not aware mentally, but in that experience, in that moment, anything you do will be in perfect alignment with divine will. And this is the real miracle that we should recognize when we are asking for miracles, this is it. This is the real daily miracles that are happening constantly in our lives, where unexpectedly, suddenly, we are being guided to, you know, say the right word, to, you know, go ahead with that activity in the right way, where suddenly there is so much joy that we are sharing that joy, where, where, bring, where we put out into manifestation, into manifestation did this sense of unexpected joy that comes from meditation. Someone asked Swami Kriyananda at the end of his life, have you experienced God? Have you had any spiritual experience in meditation? What do you see? Do you see God? And Swami Kriyananda said, I can't say that I have seen or experienced God, but one thing I can tell you, I feel so much joy, so much bliss, in my heart that it's very difficult to contain it and sometimes it brings tears of joy of bliss and that's what to me now I can really <laughs> realize that he really was in communion with God and it didn't come necessarily as a vision as powers or cities that he developed, even though he had, but he measured only his unity with God through that ever new sense of joy that he developed and kept increasing over the years, where at the end of this lifetime, the only thing that he left with, lived with, and wished for each one of us was that ever new sense of bliss in our hearts. And let's end with this last paragraph. Human life is beset with sorrow until we know how to tune in with the divine will whose right course is often baffling to the egoistic intelligence. God bears the burden of the cosmos. He alone can give unerring counsel. So friends, we've gone well beyond our time, but I think it was worth it. I hope you found it worth it. And uh, go with this. The simple act action, not as simple only in its the way we approach it is memorize and start memorizing the poem Samadhi and start repeating it to yourself every day, especially at the end of your meditation. Run whatever, however much you can retain of those words through your mind and see through it how your attunement both to Yogananda but also to that cosmic experience begins to grow. 
In fact, make of this your homework this week. You know, print the poem, put it, you know, in your bedroom, in your living room, you know, in, in a place where you can see those words often, study it, start, you know, underlying those lines, choose one line every day and just keep that line uh, in your meditation, meditate about it. I mean, it, the poem Samadhi offers so many ways for us to deepen in our attunement, not just with our guru, which is super important, but, but what God consciousness, God's consciousness is all about. So, secret of the universe. <laughs>